0: About them Irish.
1: I can't take it anymore. I need national championship. This is the four horsemen podcast.
0: When I was younger, there was a very popular game being played. I didn't know how to play it, but I wanted to. Amazingly, this older kid, who was the best at the game, decided to teach me how to play. However, he was only playing me because win-loss record was counted towards your overall ability to win the championship. So this kid bullied me. He played me for eight straight months, destroying me every time. In those months, he was winning championships partially because of his undefeated record. Then, one month, I finally beat him. Shocked that this little kid defeated him, the bully decided to ruin my life. You see, my kind of people were discriminated against where I was from. So this kid decided to organize a boycott against playing me as a punishment for me beating him. All the top players of this game refused to play me because of the power the bully had. So I had to travel to other towns to play the game. I was very. It was very hard financially on me, because I, because I was stigmatized, not many kids would play me. However, after many months of playing, I finally became a household name. In fact, I started to win some of the championships. Months later, the bully, now declining in status, offered to play two games with me to prove he was still the best. He won the first game, but I won the second. Surprisingly, he was still so appalled that a little kid like me could beat him, beat him that he vowed to never play my kind again. In fact, he organized a second boycott of kids in my neighborhood to not allow me to join their local league, so I became an independent player out of necessity. As hurt as it was, hurtful as it was, I continued to play kids from all over. As more months went by, I won more championships, and became the greatest player to ever play the game. Meanwhile, the bully, once revered as the greatest player, started to fade from relevance and had to watch me surpass him in every level. It took almost 60 months for the bully to finally play me again in an on-again-off again rivalry. He still to this day holds the head-to-head win advantage solely because of the first few games he thought he the first few games he taught me how to play. He hates me because I grew beyond his legend and became the greatest ever. I hate him because he's a fucking spiteful little bigoted prick who lost relevancy many, many months ago. This is not the story of me and the bully. This is the story of the Notre Dame Fighting Irish and the Michigan Wolverines. For, a Notre Dame fan who, for Notre Dame fans who don't know why we hate Michigan, that is why. Michigan, in actuality and symbolically, represented structural oppression. With their power and status, Michigan attempted to terminate the Notre Dame football program on two occasions, both stemming from anti-Catholicism bigotry. They boycotted us from playing... Teams in the Western Conference, which in the early days was where the best teams played. Later, they blackballed us from joining the Big Ten after we defeated them. Symbolically, they represent the same social stigmatization and marginalization of Catholics and Irish in America. And if you are a Michigan fan, listening, and didn't know this story of the rivalry, that's because you're on the side of the asshole. You hate us because we grew much bigger than you in terms of success, history, tradition, and brand. This is objectively and quantifiably true. So when people ask me who our rival is, the answer is always USC. Why? Because they play us when others wouldn't. They played us consistently, and because they, like Notre Dame, grew past Michigan in terms of success in history. Until until the recent Alabama surge, Notre Dame and USC were the two most successful programs in the sport. But if you ask me who I hate more, there's no fucking question about it. Notre Dame and Michigan were supposed to be the biggest rivalry in the sport. They played before Michigan and Ohio State did. That's a deep, there's a deep social hatred here, but Michigan systematically stopped the rivalry any time Notre Dame won. That's why they have a series lead, and that's why this isn't the biggest rivalry in all of sports. Because Michigan were a bunch of bigots who would rather see a Catholic school die than be beaten by them. With that, welcome to Michigan Week. Fuck Michigan.
1: So, I learned something today. Uh I, I knew that there was some sort of um for a lack of a better term, fuckery uh that had gone on in the past in, in regards to uh ND Michigan. I knew that Michigan was a major player and uh, while ND was basically just getting started up. And and correct me if I'm wrong, did Michigan not basically like lend us players so that way we could learn the game? Is that correct? I don't know if they lent us players. I know they taught us how to play, okay. and they
0: counted those as wins. That's why they have the series lead. It's that exact margin.
1: <laughs> yeah. So uh, I knew that there was uh, a way back history where Michigan was basically top dog. I didn't know the uh, this in, in lack of a better term, systemic oppression of of the ND program. So uh, I mean, it's it's just all the more reason to hate Michigan. Uh, I think you laid it out, uh, obviously, very eloquently, as the uh, the house historian of the Four Horsemen pod. And also our house uh, Rainman, in terms of statistics, uh, you, you have certainly a gift, uh, the gift of Gab, especially when it comes to uh, you know history. So uh, I thought that was very interesting. I, that's legitimately the first time I've heard the story and And uh, yeah, thank you uh, for sharing, Dylan. and that uh, that brings us directly in Smack dab to the middle of the second part of SCUM. Rivalry Hate Week, Uh, and we have Michigan seven thirty ABC in Ann Arbor. Let's uh, let's get into the podcast.
0: Absolutely, welcome listeners. I hope you weren't uh, too thrown off there by my utter hatred for Michigan, but uh, let's let's get into them. Um, The Wolverines are five and two this season. They've beaten Middle Tennessee Army in overtime. Rutgers, Iowa, and Illinois. Um all of those except Illinois were at home. Um, and their two losses of course were Wisconsin where they lost 35-14 and uh Penn State 28-21, both of those on the road. Um what did you make of that result,
1: Steve, the uh, the Penn State loss? Um they were down 21-nothing early. Uh, they were down what 28 to nothing against Wisconsin. So it, it just seems like if you can make some stands defensively and put some points on the board. It feels like it comes in bunches. Uh, This, this seems like a mentally weak football team. Um, Yeah. I, I just don't think now in defense of Michigan. And I know that's kind of ridiculous to to do is defend them. They did lose a ton of talent to the draft last year, but they also have a lot of young talent that they've been drafting for years. Uh, And and we're going to get into more of a player by player breakdown and, you know, match our groups against their, uh, their groups in terms of matchups, but uh, so I, I don't think it's pre- exactly a lack of talent. Although it's, I'd, I'd say it's a lack of experience, and and that mental, the lack of mental fortitude where they're getting down in these games, and then Shea Patterson is who I hate. Uh, he he's just totally imploding in some of these games. His stat lines are like horrific, <laughs> and and they're only b- bailed out in some of them just by garbage time yards and points. So. Um, I think that they can definitely be stifled, and and mentally, I think you can take them out of the game by halftime.
0: Yeah, I think that's definitely an option that we could see in the game. Um, It's funny you bring up Patterson, because I'd like to bring up his key stat line in his two losses, because I think that's really important, and I think that's also more to the level of Notre Dame in terms of competition than it is Rutgers and Army. Um, But Shea Patterson in the Wisconsin game had a 36.4 QBR, and he averaged 6.8 yards per attempt. In the Penn State game, he had a 54.6 QBR, and he averaged 6.7 yards per attempt. Really, those aren't good remotely. Um, Stat lines, he's really regressed this season. If we think Book's been regressing, Shea Patterson's fallen off the face of the earth. Um, and something I wanted to actually bring up is a, just a quick little quarterback comparison. So for Shea Patterson this year, um, he's um, his throwing percentage is 57.4%. Um, Ian Book is 63.2, so advantage Book there. In terms of yards per attempt, we talked about that as a stat that we, uh, we really like to keep an eye on. So Shea Patterson's average 7.5 yards per attempt uh, versus Book's 8.3. So again, advantage Book. Um, passer rating, which is not the stat we love the most, but it's still one, uh, nonetheless, um, Shea Patterson's at 131.5 versus Ian Book's 157.5. So again, advantage book. Um, and then if you look at the two QBR statistics, so the raw QBR score for Shea Patterson's pretty ugly. It's 59.8, which is 70th in college football. Ian Book's is 66.2, which is 49th. And when you adjust that to get the total QBR, um, Shea Patterson's bumped up to 64.6 QBR, with which is about 54th in the country, and Ian Book is 74.3, which is 22nd in the country. So again, in every way we look at this, Ian Book um, comes out on top. He's having a better season. He's just, I think, a better quarterback overall. Um, do you think that's an area where we have a big quarterback advantage?
1: potentially so there's two stats that I want to see that you have I know you have the first one the second one we'll see um the first set and and I just had to run away from my computer really really briefly sorry for the listeners if this is redundant um what is can you please compare for me the uh pass yards per attempt yep so um I I just went through that
0: one No worries. um 7.5 per Patterson and then 8.3 for book on the season as a whole
1: Okay. So so that uh, I, that was a little bit more surprising to I me. Mean, obviously, one of our critiques is Ian has to push the ball down the field. So if, if Ian is out passing and, and, and pushing the ball down the field more than Shea Patterson, I mean, our front seven and, and obviously our secondary, you know, think uh, Aloe Gilman and Kyle Hamilton, who just lear- learned how to murder people. And, and we know Jalen Elliott does too. Like, <laughs> um, if you're going to go dink and dunk against the the ND defense, I mean, I welcome that all day. And and that's probably leading to a huge reason why Michigan has struggled uh, because we, Notre Dame, has struggled from time to time on offense. And, and that's one of those major statistics, I think, that is, has played into it. The second statistic that I ultimately think is going to make a huge difference in this game, do you happen to know how many times Shay Patterson has been sacked this year versus how many times Ian Books has I do have that
0: stat actually written down. Um, I suppose that doesn't help my my nerd reputation. Um, (laughs) Michigan, I just know as a unit, has has given up 12 sacks in seven games, which averages to 1.7 per game. uh, Versus Notre Dame has given up eight sacks, which equals 1.3 per game. So there's a significant difference there um, between the two.
1: Okay. Um, So... Ian is a little trigger happy with his feet. We know that we've we've been through that whole critique. But at the end of the day, uh, he he does a really good job of feeling pressure. Sometimes he feels it a little too soon. But you know, it at the end of the day, like, he's he's not taking too many sacks. And Ian has only thrown two interceptions. Both of them came against Georgia, right? Has he thrown any since? I don't, I don't think so. Know, I Can't
0: think off the top of
1: my head. Maybe one against UVA. Maybe. I don't recall, but possibly. Yeah. But but basically, he's only have maybe two or three turnovers on the season. I know that Shea Patterson has a turnover problem. I know that Ian Book protects the ball, does not have many turnovers. Uh, Ian is obviously more efficient. Ian throws the ball downfield more. I think we have the superior playmakers uh, with with Claypool, Comet, uh, Jafar Armstrong is going to be back. I mean, I, I just think that it's 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 really matching up across the board. Uh, that we are going to have a QB advantage. We're going to have an offensive line advantage. We have obviously a defensive line advantage. Um, you know, with with our two guys that are, you know, arguably day one, possibly day two picks. Um, so, I this is a rivalry game. We're going on the road. It's at night. It's in Ann Arbor. So you have to pre-qualify with uh, you know anything can happen. You know, Michigan might come come out pissed off and and just you know with some really great scripted plays and just execute. And that's obviously a possibility. I, I, that would destroy me inside, but it's a possibility. But at the end of the day, uh, I mean, statistically, and then if you look at the, the talent groups uh, across the board, um, and and again, we'll get a little bit more into depth in this going forward, I think this is a really, really quality matchup for, for ND and, and our strengths compared to the other teams lack of strength or weakness. So that's my initial thoughts just from listening to the stats and, and uh, just the, you know, my general eyeball test.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's a really, a really good one. Um, Something to note. We know Michigan is a run first team there. They play that power football style. That's one of the reasons they've been so heavily criticized on offense because, if you think Notre Dame has offensive problems, Michigan makes Notre Dame's offense look like Oklahoma. Like it's <laughs> it's brutal. Um, but I, I looked at the just the raw plays run. So they've they've ran the ball on 272 plays this year for Michigan versus 222 passing plays. Um, I was wondering if how much of that is accounted for. You know, closing out games by running the ball or trying to catch up at the end of the games by passing the ball. So I, I kind of figured they would roughly even out, but. One thing to note, um, I don't have the exact number on me, but Notre Dame more of Notre Dame's first downs come through running the ball, which suggests we run it on third and short. And Michigan is way more likely to pass the ball in terms of getting a successful first down. So what that suggests to me is you see a lot of third and two, third and three short passes, because I think that would line up with the yards per attempt, and I think that would line up with the tendency to run the ball but somehow getting more first downs via pass. So I think um, Clark Lee's defense is going to have to just keep an eye on play action um, and any kind of short running back passes slants on, on third down. Um, But let's get into a different coach. Let's get into the not even at all controversial John Harbaugh.
1: Hmm. Um, Word has it that the NFL is calling that's what that's what I saw yesterday on an article. I think it was a two four seven sports article that popped up on my Facebook feed. So I, I didn't read it. I just saw the, the headline and we know that I'm the master of reacting to headlines and not actually reading the article. <laughs> but um yeah. The, but yeah, Harborough, uh, my thoughts on him. <clears throat> I I actually think he's brilliant. I think he's uh, a relatively good guy. I, I have not seen Too much um, to suggest otherwise, and and I think his his playing style would work if he were still at Stanford. Yeah, because who who in the Pac-12. Right is going to be able to stack up against the power run team that plays sound defense and, and technical football with an accurate QB. It, assuming he had one, he doesn't have one in, in Shea Patterson, who's a bitch. Um, so, I mean, there is a reason why he was very good at Stanford, went to the NFL, had you know a modicum of success, and then things kind of fell off. And, and that's a whole different you know hole to go down. Um, so and and people who thought he'd be a good fit at Michigan. He would be a good fit at Michigan, assuming that three-quarters of the conference didn't play the exact style of football that he already plays. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, is he a hell of a recruiter? Absolutely. There's a lot of talent on this Michigan team. You know, Playing style and game planning, I think he's actually good, but... If you you have to also adapt to the surroundings around you and who you're playing and what the conference looks like and and you have to uh, you know recruit based on all that and it just doesn't look like he has been able to make that transition to uh, you know institute any sort of change and and that's where you have to give Brian Kelly a hell of a lot of credit. Is you know we've seen so many types of Notre Dame football teams over the years, and he's been constantly trying to re you know perfect the formula with recruiting, with moving guys around from, you know, like for example, uh, you know Drew last year, Drew Tranquil, uh, who who started as a, a defensive back, and after a few injuries and you know bulking up a little bit, he ends up inside as one of the, one one of the best linebackers we've had in my lifetime. So. Uh, Brian Kelly has, has made a lot of changes in, in terms of how he recruits, in terms of how he builds teams, uh, offensive side of the ball, defensive side of the ball, play calling the whole nine. And and it seems like, um, you know, uh, Harborough is, is a little bit more ensconced in his, in what he wants to accomplish and wants to just ram his way of doing things down the throats of everyone. We, we see the success rate at this point and I just don't think it's uh, a successful experiment. That's, that's my thoughts on Harborough as for him as an individual, as a, as a human, I, I don't really have any particular comment because I've listened to a few interviews. Seems like a cool guy Uh, in terms of him him as a football coach, successful, just not at this Michigan program.
0: Interesting. That's way more positive than I thought you were going to be. Um, I don't I I don't really like Harbaugh. Um, like probably most people are just annoyed at how hyped he is. Um, he is way overhyped. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Like would you have him at Notre Dame?
1: Um see I get just from what he wants to instill, I don't think would be congruent with what we're doing here. I mean yeah. if, if he were to come in as a defensive coordinator, hell yeah. <laughs> I mean that guy can can really coach up a defense. Uh, The offensive side of the ball, I'll take Brian Kelly every day of the week and twice on Sunday, and and obviously Chip Long included in that.
0: That's funny because he's supposed to be the quarterback guru.
1: Yeah, and he's
0: not. (laughs) (laughs) And, I mean, he's been so really not successful at Michigan in the sense that Michigan has not really seen any success in his time. I mean, Michigan wasn't in a good place beforehand, but, you know, there's that funny – tweet that goes around every time Michigan loses saying, you know, this coach took Michigan from not winning titles to not winning titles. <laughs> um, and, and that means the Big Ten. I mean, they haven't really been competitive until kind of last year um, in terms of, like, with a chance to actually get into that game. Um, it, to me, it's his rival, his record against rivals that is just astonishingly bad. Um, the big three there, Ohio State, Notre Dame, and Michigan State, I think he's won two games. He's like two for seven or something, just stupid I am um, i don't know the khakis I think it's kind of funny um, but I Are hope you? Michigan fires them to be honest because I don't think Michigan can do better and that must be really sad if you're a Michigan fan thinking if this is the best we can do and what we can do is be maybe a 9-3 and team this year like Michigan's got two losses and they still play Notre Dame, Michigan State and um, Ohio State so that's that's not a good look cuz I think they might fire him and if they do I don't know how anyone recruits at that level again cuz Michigan was not really recruiting well um before that and they recruit well now although I think probably still worse than Notre Dame Notre Dame's still really good at recruiting but they develop talent especially on the defensive side of the ball and it's just it's just not coming together for them and I would I would feel much more comfortable if Harbaugh is gone at Michigan cuz I think it means Michigan sucks more perennially than they do now um unless you have another word on Harbaugh I'd like to just kind of get into the players Michigan have because we talked about some of uh some of the talent Mm -hmm. so their top players um running the ball they got uh Zach it's either Charbonnet or Charbonnet depends on how he wants that pronounced um he's leading their rushing production right now that's kind of their go-to back um nothing really special there uh, that I saw popping out of the stats at all so what really offensively the ball that should be more worrisome is the wide receiver group. Michigan has a really good wide receiver talent group. Um, in fact, the three guys that I know aren't actually leading the product the production on on the um, as a wideout. That's Ronnie Bell. He's the most targeted wide receiver of theirs. He leads them in in yards and receptions. But of course, they have those very talented uh, potentially NFL draft picks in uh, Nico Collins. Um, Donovan Peoples-Jones, who one day will be good, I swear, is what Michigan fans always say. <laughs> and um, Tariq Black, who was injured before the last game, um, which kind of offset our injury in the last game with um, with Sean Crawford last year. Um, but those they got four really good, talented uh, wide receivers, so that's one we're going to have to watch for. It's one our secondary is going to have to hold down. I also think it's one our linebackers are going to have to be really good in because we're going to have to either stop the run or get to the quarterback. And I think we can do both of those things. But the less time you allow these receivers to get open, I think the harder it gets for Michigan to win this game. Um, looking on the defensive side of the ball, um, Lavert Hill uh, is a cornerback there. I swear he's been there forever. Um, he's got two picks this year. He's a really talented corner. Um, I don't know um, if he'll be... He'll, I imagine he'll be on Claypool, but maybe not. Maybe they'll want a more uh, physical matchup. Uh, in terms of size, um, but also one thing to look at is the the linebacker group. Um, I don't, admittedly, know Michigan's too too well, but I saw um, statistically people who were listed as linebackers. Now maybe they were like three, four outside linebacker, really a defensive end player, or if they're just straight up linebackers. But they, as a group, um, total 14 sacks. So what that really suggests to me is either they are defensive ends coming in getting sacks, or Don Brown really likes to bring the linebacker blitz, and that hits home a lot. Or maybe it's a combination of the two, but either way they have a lot of talent um, in that linebacking core. Um, and that's mostly it that I highlighted. Um, obviously we know who our guys are. Um, Steve, do you have anything else to say about Michigan?
1: So they do have a defensive lineman, a uh, you know, defensive end, I believe. Uh, he goes by the name of Quiddy Pay. He was a five-star recruit out of Rhode Island, my home state, and he uh, coincidentally uh, played for Bishop Hendrick in high school. I went to LaSalle Academy. To say that there is a visceral hatred between LaSalle and Hendricken, it would be to downplay like it, it, it's like Red Sox, Yankees, Michigan, Notre Dame, Bama, LSU. Like you think about just pure absolute hatred, and that's me and and uh, you know Bishop Hendricken yeah, as as LaSallian. So uh, Quiddy, I, I have no idea about the character of the person or who he is as an individual, so I won't speak poorly about him. Uh, but he's obviously incredibly talented to be a five-star uh, defensive end, especially out of Rhode Island where the, you know, the average football player is absolutely horrific. Uh, so, <laughs> um, so yeah, it's just, um, I, I, words cannot express not only did he go to my biggest rival in uh, high school, but uh, arguably one of our biggest rivals in, in college football. And I, Hope he does not have. I don't. I hope he doesn't even t- lay a finger on a single ball carrier, like and let alone get a tackle, just not even get a finger on them. I hope he has the worst game of his career and all of the bad things happen to him in this game. No injuries, no injuries, never root for that. But I just hope he plays his worst game of his career. And uh, I mean, after this, if he wants to play, great, cool, you know, support the Rhode Island product. But for this game and this game only, you know, I, I wish him nothing but failure. <laughs>
0: I think you and every Notre Dame fan alike um, we that's that's interesting I didn't know he uh, he went to your uh, your high school's rival um That's that's cool. I think we should probably move on. We'll get back to Michigan when we preview them in the matchup, but I think we should just kind of cover some week eight stuff. Um, Bama got a real scare in Tennessee. I don't know if you were seeing that at all, but uh, basically Tua got hurt and uh, Tennessee really hung in there for a while. And it looked like they were going to keep hanging in there until I think they fumbled the ball (coughs) at the end zone. And that was returned for um, seven points for Alabama. Um, but they stay in it. Um, they look vulnerable, though. Bama doesn't look as impenetrable as they have in recent years. And, of course, the big one on the weekend was uh, Wisconsin losing um, to, I do know if it was Illinois, one of those shit yes, Big Ten teams. It was
1: Illinois. 24-23.
0: That's hilarious because I think they had a big lead in that one too. But that just proves we talked about this. People who say the Notre Dame doesn't have a shot in the playoff—they're so short-sighted. People forget how often these things happen. Ohio State lost to Purdue last year. Like it's not uncommon to see a team like Wisconsin get beat. Um, but I, I never really thought Wisconsin was that serious to begin with. I thought they probably had a really good, uh, an overly good game against Michigan, where they just whatever went wrong for Michigan did go wrong because I don't think Wisconsin's that much better than Michigan um and uh and i think they kind of proved a little bit of that in illinois so they're probably done unless they run the table um but they don't really uh they don't really have a shot i don't think looking at who they still have to play um so do you have any kind of thoughts on the week 8 be- you know those two games at all the 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 two close ones
1: from my understanding with tua it would be a high ankle sprain is that correct
0: yeah i heard he's missing the arkansas game but we don't know after that
1: Okay, so this is the second time he's had an ankle injury uh, within about like a six-month period. Those are not easy to come back from. I mean, uh, Cole Komet came back from one last year in about four weeks, and people were like, oh, my God, like this kid is a tough son of a gun to be able to, to do this. Uh, so um, that's there, there should be a lot of alarms going off in, in Tuscaloosa right now especially as I believe they have the LSU game coming up relatively shortly
0: soon. I would think we're almost in November now. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. So they're, um, cause what is this week eight? So yeah, they're, they're, they're getting close to, uh, to, to the meat of their schedule where it's going to be very difficult at that point. And, uh, LSU is on absolute fire. So, um, you know, two is a great QB, a great college QB, uh, so, I, I'd like to see him back relatively soon just because, you know, it, it, it is good for the spectacle of the sport. But, um, I also do want to see Alabama lose a game simultaneously. So,
0: yeah, absolutely. Um, I think uh, it'll limit his mobility
1: too. Yeah, definitely. And, and he, um, at, at certain times in the national title game a couple of years ago when Jalen Hurts had to come in, like, uh, to, to quote unquote save the day. And, um, yeah, you know, Tua did not look good against pressure in, in certain situations. So if if he's can't scramble around, and he has to stay in a clean pocket, that might not bode well for them. Now, has he definitely can mature and and adapt because he's a elite talent? Yeah, absolutely. But uh, there's definitely going to be some, again, like I mentioned, some uh, some some alarms going off down uh, down in Alabama. As for uh, Wisconsin losing. I mean that's just Big Ten football. Uh, again, you know, a lot of the teams just play the same type of style, and eventually, you're going to have a team that's a little bit extra juiced up than you, and and just makes some sort of uh, ex, and you know, that that just executes a little bit better at the right time, and that's ultimately the difference. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's um, it, I I think hopefully this will lead to a rally for wisconsin because they they do have ohio state this week and again this could in turn lead to more big 10 cannibalization but it, exactly as you mentioned uh know yeah, when when you started off the segment when when we lost to georgia and then you know shortly after georgia lost to south carolina people were freaking out saying like this is it it's over like guys have, have you not paid attention to any playoff scenario over the past four or five years now. Like this, it was way too early in the season for people to think we're out. So we're still in, you know, we still in control of our destiny. It all starts with winning uh, this Saturday night in, in Ann Arbor. But <clears throat> um, yeah, I think, I, I think there might only be one 12 and O team potentially heading into the, the college football playoff. And that, that might be Clemson. And honestly, that's, up for a debate at this point
0: yeah if they if they don't go 12 and 0 i think they're done yeah um but let's take a look at our opponents how they did um week eight um stanford playing the early game just what's going on in stanford they beat washington one week and then they lose to ucla 34 16 and i think stanford was home too so that's just that's abysmal they go to three and four if they could be a bowl eligible team i'll take it at this point point. Um Boston College beat North Carolina State 45-24. They're both now 4 and 3. We don't play North Carolina State, but um we play Boston College. And I think having Boston College be a 7-8 win team would help as well, so that was a good win there. Um Louisville lost to Clemson, no surprise, um, by they 35. Put up a game. Yeah, they did. Um it was at Louisville and Clemson won by 35, we won by 18. So in the first key matchup we have, um Clemson comes ahead there. Um, over us but i think that's kind of expected
1: but trevor lawrence threw some really bad interceptions in that game
0: yeah um so overall um louisville's now four and three they're still hanging in there though in the acc um, and i think they'll end up getting seven or eight wins as well which would be a huge turnaround for that program then uh bowling green lost to central michigan who cares they're two and five um in the same vein new mexico lost to wyoming they're two and five um, But really, the big one um, was Virginia-Duke. We talked about that um, last week as a game that would be have real implications because both of them were 4-2 uh, at the time, and both of them could win the Coastal and played Clemson. And we felt um, like it would be a little bit better if Virginia won. And uh, ultimately, that's what happened. Uh, Virginia kind of beat the ever-living piss out of Duke, 48-14. That's really good for Notre Dame. We have that win in the bank. Um, they now go to five and two on the air. Duke goes to four and three. Um, UVA is really poised here for a huge ACC title matchup, um, but they'll have to go through none other than Virginia Tech, who beat North Carolina in six overtimes last week. Um, Virginia Tech um, really, really good so far, at five and two, which is uh, impressive. I don't know if they're actually a five and two team, but whatever gets them ranked and whatever gets us a big win. Um, and then Navy. Navy, then. Navy, uh, thirty-five. South Florida, three. Navy's just beating the living piss out of people this year. That's five and one for Navy, and lastly, Georgia beat Kentucky twenty nothing. No surprise there. Six and one for them. Um, do you uh, have any thoughts
1: uh, on at all, or should we compare our predictions? Um. Good for Virginia. Uh, again, I'm I'm still uh, feeling skeptical skeptical about the the Duke game in a couple weeks, only because I, I it's going to be strictly on the ACC network, correct? Yeah. Um. So I think I'm going to have to go to like a Buffalo Wild Wings to go and see that game because I don't have access to that, um, and I just don't really particularly feel comfortable. About viewing games not in in the uh, the comfort of my own home where I can be my own little sociopath. <laughs> I mean, I, again, you know Duke's a, a decent football team, but you know good for Virginia for for beating them so they can uh, you know beef up our strength of schedule, even though that was kind of some inter schedule uh, cannibalization, but you know, just go with the higher ranks team at this point. so other than that um, your navy, good for them. You know, keep up the good work. Please be uh like a nine win team, finish in the top 20 this year. That would be great. And that's that's pretty much my thoughts in terms of scheduling matchups and results. Um we yep. in in terms of getting out ahead of our skis uh, you know, we we clearly have uh one main focus and that's this week, but you know, it's always good to look at the landscape and how everything is is kind of uh you know uh you know factoring out uh, in in the future but for for now we can focus on um i didn't uh, i
0: didn't cover usc i don't know if they played or if they were on a bye week but if they did play they won but people saying the resume portion of the strength schedule is over is just it's a little too soon for that because um you could have a navy as a as a conference champion you could have virginia tech in the acc championship game with You know, two or three losses. Um, Virginia Tech could be a top 25 team. Um, Same with Virginia. Yeah. Uh, Then you'll have like bowl eligible teams in Boston College, Louisville, um, Duke. Um, And then you would, of course, have UGA who could be an SEC champion or at least a finalist. And then USC could still be in the Pac 12 too. So Notre Dame could have wins and one loss against a lot of good teams um, by the end of it. Um so that portion of our path to the playoffs is definitely not done. Um if we go to our predictions from last week, um I went 4 and 1, you went 3 and 2, we're now tied. On the air, I got an Excel sheet open. Um Utah beat Arizona State pretty handily. Bama, um they won their game against uh, Tennessee. I don't know, was that the game we picked or did we pick Florida South Carolina? I think we picked Florida South Carolina. I don't know why I wrote yeah. Bama here. So <laughs> Forget Bama, but we both took Florida, and Florida won. Um, it was a scarier game than they'd like, but they did win. So Utah, Florida, Oregon beat Washington. We both thought Washington was going to win that game. They um, should that was have a really good game.
1: laid an egg.
0: It was a close one, yeah. So that's uh, that was the one loss. Um, Virginia, we both took Virginia. We thought it would be closer, but they really spanked Duke. And then I took Penn State, you took Michigan. Um, arguably, Michigan could have won that game, too. They had really played well but were somehow down three scores. And then they made a comeback, and then I don't know if you saw the drop on fourth down. Um, they had a chance to tie the game. Um, so they got the ball back with a couple minutes. They were on the uh, like the two-yard line. It was fourth and goal. And then they threw it to a wide-open receiver. Shea Patterson did a good job keeping the play alive, and he dropped the ball, and that was the <laughs> ball game. It was just brutal to watch if you're a Michigan fan. They had a chance to tie it, and they really could have. Um, but, they, yeah, that's that's uh that's a tough loss for them it would have helped us a lot more so we'll get into uh our one of our new segments who do you hate more have you uh have you prepped one
1: uh i have not but um go ahead and and fire away and while i and i'll uh i'll drum something up fair enough i made this one really tough
0: on you today who do you hate more penn state or alabama <laughs>
1: Uh, wow. There is so much I hate about Penn state, surprisingly enough. Um, and and not, not including the main reason to hate Penn state. Um, I think I'm going with Alabama in this one, just given that, you know, they, they've, it's just been a torturous recent history against them. Um, and they obviously have had so much success and, you know, Nick Saban gives free Mercedes Benz to all of his uh, five star recruits, and he's a piece of shit. And I hope that program dies. Um, yeah, I, I, the, the the hatred just comes from the Bama success. I think if Penn State was uh, was more successful, that would be a, a, definitely more of a of a, a back and forth debate, and that might be drawn out for a legitimate hours. Uh, because I think Penn State is a deplorable program, but um, in terms of being not only a a sh- shitty scummy program, but also incredibly successful, it, you know, while they're doing it, I, I think that's that's definitely going with Bama as my, as my number one hatred. Sorry for my rat in the background. Let me go figure that out for a quick second
0: yeah no um you you do that um i agree with you though overall it's just for me it's that historical blue blood pride um penn state might be a blue blood they're on the border there but alabama of course has threatened underdame status for the last 10 years so for me it's alabama too i i think for both people it has to be alabama at this point just because of how much of an asshole they are as a program and how much they win um but yeah we'll we'll uh we'll speed things up a little bit here. So do you have one for me at all?
1: Yeah. So this is an interesting one because they could both technically be considered rivals within, uh, throughout history. Uh, one is, okay. So I'm not going to pre-qualify. I'm just going to give it to you straight. No chaser. Who do you hate more? Michigan. They're on my mind. So it's not Michigan. <laughs> uh, <laughs> who you do you hate more Miami? Yes. Uh, who do you hate more, Miami or Pittsburgh?
0: Ooh, that's a good one. Um, is it weird to say I don't hate either? Um, I'll I'll give an answer, but I kind of always liked Miami. I don't know. I don't know if it's the colors. or I, It's just something about Miami that I never hated. I hate FSU, and I hate – I don't hate Florida. I hate FSU, so I, I kind of always had a, a soft spot for Miami. And Pitt plays us tough, and I hate playing them, but they're very admirable. Um who do I hate more? I'd probably say Miami, just because they're a, a tougher game. Well, not a tougher game per se, but they've we have a, a hated rivalry there. Of course, 88, um, and some of the other 80s games where Miami won. Um, and then, of course, 2017. Um, Pittsburgh is an interesting one, too, because they claim, like, nine championships when they have, like, one. <laughs> um, so that that could give reason to hate them, but I'd say Miami overall. They are kind of scummy, but I, I don't particularly hate either. Um, but that's a really good question. Um, do you have a a preference there?
1: Yeah. Um, so I'm kind of with you here where like, I, there, there is some sort of majesty about the U, uh, where like they were like dickheads as a program, but you look back to like their 2001 championship team, it's like kind of hard to hate that team. There was what, like, like six, seven, eight Hall of Fame players on that team. Like they were incredible, um, and and they I don't think they were particularly not likable in the early two thousands. You know, it sucks getting beat by them. Uh, you know, two years ago while we were in in the playoff hunt, uh, but we we had had some recent success against them before that. Uh, you know, Pittsburgh they always play us tough, so I do hate playing them. Uh, it's it's always a game where you can basically uh, guarantee it's going to be like 26-23 ND, um, yeah, and and it's going to be way too close for comfort, unfortunately. So, I think I would say that I hate Pittsburgh more, uh, surprisingly enough because uh, there's a lot that I like about the U. There's a lot I don't like about the U, but there's a lot that I do like about the U. uh, So they're kind of a a very strange program, but I thought that was a good mental exercise because there are two programs that technically we should hate that we, at the same time, kind of don't.
0: Yeah, that's kind of a lot with our rivals too. We don't n- always hate them. It's more respect. I suppose the Miami one was never based on respect. That was just based on hatred, but that's a tendency. I think with Notre Dame fans is not to like, nobody really hates Michigan state. You know what I mean? Like we kind of have respect for our rivals. Um, but yeah, let's just get through uh, some of these week nine games that we're going to predict. Cause we're, uh, we're even so far through two weeks. um, I've got Colorado playing USC. Um Colorado's home USC's thirteen and a half point favorites. Who do you got?
1: I I think Colorado will will make a really good run in this game, uh, being at home. And I, I think that there's still some there there's just so much you know, that they, they won the national title in ninety nineteen ninety and, and they have just not really had too much success since then. And it kind of stinks because it would be great to have Colorado be good at football. I feel like that'd be a fun program to be a perennial top 20 team. Um, but I, I just don't think that they have, again, like USC right now in terms of pure recruitment talent and play, you know, on the football field currently, they are like the number four most talented team uh, in, in the nation per two, four, seven sports, 24, seven, however the hell you want to say it. So I just think that there's too much top end talent for USC to lose this game, but I think it's going to be tighter than expected.
0: Yeah, I think USC is just kind of on a revenge tour right now. I think they didn't like that Notre Dame loss, and I think they're going to start hurting teams. Although I am worried Colorado could win. I think I think this game's going to be close, but I think USC will pull it out. Um, the big well, one of the big ones this week: Ohio State at home, fourteen point favorites against Wisconsin. Who do you got?
1: The the mind says uh, Ohio State because they are an absolute wagon this year. But, uh, you know, with the heart, I'm just trying to will it into existence, speak it into existence uh, on Wisconsin, baby. Ooh.
0: I definitely thought you were going to take Ohio State there. Um, I'm taking Ohio State because they look like unstoppable machine. Um, I don't think Wisconsin's that good, but I agree with you. I hope Wisconsin wins. Let's destroy the Big Ten together. That would, be, that would really open up a path for Notre Dame uh, because then it puts Ohio State on very thin ice um okay louisville is hosting virginia virginia is only three and a half point favorite there what do you think
1: um you know elville has showed a little bit of spunk this year and, and you gotta admire that after just an absolute abomination of a season last year uh but you know again i think virginia is not only playing with a little bit of swagger they're also playing with uh, with a little bit of, of hate in their heart and revenge, just like USC, as you mentioned a moment ago. So I think uh, I, I think you got a fueled up UVA team that's probably going to ride to a 10 and 2, 9 and 3 season and end up in the uh, the conference title game uh, so that I don't see them losing this game. Although, again, there there is some spunk to that Louisville program.
0: Yeah, this is one I'm worried about because Louisville's at home and they've been decent this year, but I'm taking UVA as well. I think UVA's just got a really good defense. Um and they have a, a quarterback that can be difficult to stop. So we'll move on now. Um uh, Michigan State's hosting Penn State, who uh, Penn State are six point six and a half point favorites. Um who do you have there?
1: Ooh, that's tough. Um again, this is, is one of those instances where you know, I want to just speak Michigan State into existence of the upset because uh, that will help with the cannibalization. I don't see it happening, though. Uh, so I, I think I'm picking Penn State this week.
0: It's happening. I'm taking Michigan State. Okay, uh, we're going I contrarian.
1: Got,
0: <laughs> I got the Sparties at home. I think uh, I thought they'd do it to Wisconsin or Ohio State. They didn't yet. Michigan State always has uh, an upset in them. I think at home against Penn State, who's coming off a very tiring win. Uh, against Michigan, I think that's a game to watch out for. That's an ultimate trap game right there. Um, moving on, LSU's at home. They're ten and a half point favorites against Auburn. That's the big one. Who
1: do you have there? Uh, it's going to be really hard for a true freshman, uh, no matter how well he has played, to go into Death Valley and come out with a win. And is that game? <clears throat> excuse me. Is that game at night? Um, initially,
0: I thought so, but it won't be televised on. Um, because the, they use their televised game on Notre Dame, um, Georgia. Yeah. Georgia. But I think it is a night game because I have it listed here last, and I usually follow the time slots. So I think it could be a, a night game.
1: Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's probably going to be a seven p.m. game, but not the eight thirty primetime. Um okay. But yes, I, I just uh, I, I don't see Auburn winning this game just because you know LSU is is on a run themselves and they're playing really well great quarterback play their defense uh you know has had flashes of brilliance but they've also had some flashes of being a little bit suspect but i i think all things considered at home you have to take lsu
0: yeah me too i, I think lsu is just too good this year the quarterback uh Borough, joe burrow i think's the name yeah um he's gonna win a heisman if he keeps playing this way and i, and I kind of hope he does because it, it means he'll beat Bama. <laughs> Um, and plus, I don't want Oklahoma to win another one. They're tied with us for seven. So basically, we pick the same again. The exception, I'm taking a huge upset there, uh, Michigan State over Penn State. Um, we both like our favorites to win. Uh, oh, wait, you took Wisconsin. So no, we have yes. two differences. Yeah. So um, yeah, I took Ohio State. So that'll be interesting to look for. We both have two underdogs. Um, so let's move in now in our last segment, obviously the preview game. Um, Notre dame Going to Ann Arbor to play Michigan, uh, where we haven't won since 2005. Strength of schedule so far, Notre Dame is 37th. Uh, Michigan's only 39th. People think maybe the Penn State and Wisconsin would bump them, but no. Michigan actually has a worse strength of schedule than Notre Dame at this point, probably because of the other teams they've played. Um, Yeah, Michigan is minus one point favorite to win. To let everyone at home know how the gambling sometimes works is that usually three points are automatically given to the home team. So if uh, Notre Dame, well, let's say was a, they think Notre Dame's a ten point better team. Well, then the home team would be plus seven because you have to give those three points to the home team. Um, so Michigan, what they're saying basically is Notre Dame is two points better than Michigan, but in Ann Arbor, when you you gotta give those three points back to Michigan, it's a it's a one point um, spread, and that has been bet down since two and a half. It started two and a half.
1: It's moved to one. What do you think on that line? Um, I I think. I'm surprised that, that we're not coming into this as favorites. Um, but you know, there is something to be said with uh, the home team. And and I guess the most concerning part of this game, if the big house gets rocking, if, if, you know, Michigan can make some plays and stay alive in this and, uh, there's some noise, some crowd noise, you know, we didn't, our offensive line did not handle crowd noise very well whatsoever down in Athens. Um, you know, maybe there's, there's some changes to be made. And, and, you know, coach Kelly, especially last year, I know there was an emphasis on control the chaos, right? So hopefully that that's something that we can put an emphasis on in practice this week, but, you know, we can't have eight, nine false start penalties and, and expect to compete in this football game or, you know, expect to win this football game. I mean, I think we'll compete regardless. Um, yeah. So I, I think uh, all things considered it, It's probably going to be tight when it shouldn't be. Notre Dame is probably a a 7 to to 14 point team better than Michigan in terms of of talent and execution and coaching. Um, But just given the nature of rivalry, it's probably going to be about a four point game. So again, I I still think it's it's a weird line, but I'm also not an an expert at, at betting. Yeah, it's a really
0: interesting one. Um, I think it's a decent line overall. Um, It's basically saying, you know, pick who everything's going to win. Because it's in Ann Arbor, I understand the temptation to have Michigan um, start off as favorites. Notre Dame is the better team. We'll get into that in a second. But um, it it will be, I think, a close game. So I don't think the odds makers are too crazy here. Um, But let's let's break into it. Um, I'll give the statistical tale of the tape. Um, I'm going to break this down in two different kinds of stats. Something that's more box-scory, numbers that we understand that we use in general football terms. And then, obviously, our efficiency and advanced stats that we do like here, too. So we'll we'll keep it uh, nice and simple so everyone can, of course, follow along at home. So in terms of just scoring offense, um, Notre Dame is averaging 39.2 points per game, which is actually really good. We've talked at the start of the year of hitting that 40 mark as a hallmark of getting into that elite status and becoming a perennial 40-point team. So we're right on that cusp. Michigan, on the other hand, is a whole 10 points worse. They're at 29.3 points per game. So the scoring offense is definitely an advantage for Notre Dame, partially because the Big Ten is just brutal to watch and they don't like offense. Hmm. Third down um, percentage in terms of success, we've talked about that one being a huge um, issue for Notre Dame. They're at 42.31%. Michigan's actually worse. We talk about Notre Dame struggling on third down. Michigan's at thirty-seven point three six points. Sorry, percentage points on uh, third down, which is I think going to be a key to the game. Is which team wins that third down battle? What's the down and distance, and who's getting more successful third downs? Notre Dame's a whole five percentage points ahead of Michigan there, so that's another advantage for Notre Dame. Um, Rushing yards per attempt. So every rush, how many yards are are usually gained? Notre Dame has averaged 5.3. Michigan has only averaged 4. So that's another advantage in the run department, both running back-wise and offensive line for Notre Dame. Um, in terms of defensive points per game allowed, one, maybe you would assume Michigan would be ahead. Not so fast. Notre Dame is only giving up 16.8 points per game. Michigan's giving up 19. Um, part of that's because they played two good offenses. Um, but part of that is because Notre Dame's really, really good on defense too. Um, in terms of just... Um, passing yards per game allowed. Notre Dame has allowed 195.2 per game, which is a little high. Um, Not too high, but a little higher than you would expect. And Michigan's only at 163.6. So that's an advantage for Michigan there, is they tend to limit the quarterback passing yards. But again, they they play Big Ten football, so you kind of expect that. And lastly, in terms of turnover margin, this is a key stat that we see all the time in, in football. Um, Notre Dame is actually first in the nation. I don't know if we've talked about that. They're plus ten. That itself isn't first in the nation, but the average is because Notre Dame has played one less game than everyone. Um, one point six seven average turnover margin per game is number one in the country um, with ten plus ten in, in in total. Michigan is on the complete opposite end of that spectrum. They're minus two per game, or sorry, minus two on the year. Uh, zero point minus minus 0.29 on the year, which is tied for 84th in the nation. If there's a huge advantage coming into this game, it's going to be protecting the ball and taking the ball, and I think this will ultimately determine the game. So moving now, just a little pause there on some of our stats that we use in our general term terminology. Um, we'll go a little more advanced now. So for the offensive efficiency, Notre Dame is ranked 17th. Michigan is ranked 55th. Again, this is per ESPN. Um, if you're a new listener, we, we've we covered this before, what these stats mean, so you might want to check one of our older podcasts. Um, in terms of defensive efficiency, Notre Dame is 9th, Michigan is 20th. So in terms of overall efficiency, Notre Dame is ranked 12th, Michigan is ranked 33rd. That is where UVA was ranked, that's where USC was ranked when we played them. When we play these teams, they tend to be in the 30s, uh, and they improve after that. Um, in terms of ESPN's FPI, Notre Dame is 11th in the country, Michigan is 15th. The one advantage Michigan has is in our S&P plus stat, our advanced metric there. Notre is 19th in the country, Michigan's 14th. Part of that is because Michigan just played uh, Penn State, so it was adjusted up for them. And the last one, win probability. Notre Dame is favored to win this game. They're 62.2% likelier to win versus Michigan's 37.8. So even on the road, ESPN's FPI likes Notre Dame to win this game. And that is going to be it for me from the stats. That's a lot to digest, but basically, in some, uh, Notre Dame is better in almost every category. But we are playing a rival, and we are playing in Ann Arbor. So, Steve, I'll let you take it from there.
1: Yeah, and I think you highlighted the uh, the. I think the one major statistic that is going to basically play the the main difference here, turnovers. Uh, I think if if, uh, if if we can go plus two in terms of turnovers on this game which is right along lines with our average, Um, I I think it's probably a two-touchdown victory. If it's anything less than a plus two, then you're probably looking at a significantly tighter game. So that's, I think that's going to be the benchmark to look out for. So plus two turnovers, uh, you know, uh, know, for, for ND and we're looking at, you know, pretty much just putting them away handedly, just like, uh, you know, basically Wisconsin had. And then I think if, if we can't get uh, two turnovers, it's probably going to look more in line with like a Penn state game where we, you know, we get out to a lead, they might battle back. uh, And then at that point, it's just a matter of if, you you know, we can fend them off and, and if so, by how much that's, Pretty much my vision for how the game is going to go. Uh, we know we have an incredible offensive line. Just uh, you know, nominated again for offensive line unit of the year. Uh, Ian is the superior quarterback. Uh, there's definitely some some talent at the wideout position for both teams. Uh, I would like to see Javon McKinley uh, play on the outside and move Fink to the inside, please. Um, and. Yeah. I mean, we can go back and forth on positions all day. And we basically have touched upon a lot of that. We're just a talented football team. You know, this is what we've been waiting for is, is to play in uh, in big games like this, as we've mentioned before in the past and, and uh, to get up for these and be excited for them because we, we truly are at the next level. And I think it's time to just put up or shut up. So it's, it's a matter of, we know that we are better. Uh, Can we execute? I, I hope so. Absolutely. Um, and I think it's definitely within reason that we will and yeah uh whoever can uh whoever can grab the football away from the other team more is probably winning this game
0: yeah you gotta remember Michigan does have a good defense and and I know SMP plus likes their uh, their defensive rating but They've given up a lot of points this year, 35 to Wisconsin, 28 to Penn State. It seems like when good offenses play Michigan, they can stretch them. I think the key is going to be throwing the ball down the field. I think just a very – like we did in 2017 where we we won that game. That was our last matchup, Um, a beautiful win that took us ahead of them in in an all-time win percentage. But that's the game where uh, Wimbush basically made two or three throws down the field that won the game because it had created um, points. And it ultimately was the difference maker. I'm worried because Michigan, 2011 comes to my head, 2013 comes to my head. It's the years that we're supposed to beat Michigan, and I would say even though despite the Vegas odds, we probably are expected to beat Michigan, that's when we tend to lose to Michigan. So I'm terrified of that. Um, the Ann Arbor Ann Arbor sucks, but for Notre Dame, they get up for it. It's a night game. They'll have those stupid pom-poms out, and I don't want to have to hear the Michigan crowd beat anything towards us. I don't want to hear the chicken dance. I don't want to hear anything because fuck Michigan. Um, but it will be an interesting one. Notre Dame has the stats advantage. I'd say Notre Dame has the talent advantage at quarterback, offensive line, running back. Um, and then the defense is very similar. Michigan, I'd say to have the advantage maybe in the wide receiver group, but I would give Notre Dame the tight end advantage. And ultimately, maybe Michigan's defense is, uh, they're very even. So coaching advantage, I give it to Notre Dame too. I think Notre Dame's got a really big advantage coming into this game. The only thing Michigan's got going for them, they're at home and they do have a suffocating defense, but we do too. How's that going to end up? I don't know. Do you have a prediction for us?
1: Um, I, I hate giving concrete numbers, um, but I think I'm going to probably go with 27 to 13 Irish.
0: That's fair. I'd be very happy with that. I'm going to make a prediction that's completely in line with last year. 24-17 Notre Dame. I think it's going to be the same scoreline. I think it's going to be a very similar game. It's one that we should beat Michigan by more than because Wisconsin did, but it's a rivalry game. It's in Ann Arbor. If we come away with a seven-point win, that's going to be good. We just have to hope Michigan cleans out the rest of the year because if Michigan loses to Iowa State, that's an, that's only an eight-win team, and that doesn't look too good. But uh, let's let's just focus on getting that win. I think we will. Do you have any last things to say?
1: not much uh, thanks everyone for for sticking in with this week you know a lot of travel on my end and and uh a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes so that's why we got this out a little late in the week so we do appreciate all the listens all the shares all the following all the retweets uh, the whole nine so thanks so much for that um and i my only closing thoughts obviously as as usual make notre dame great again how about yourself dylan follow us at at horseman pod um both on twitter and on um
0: Instagram Uh, we appreciate your following if you're new here welcome I hope you stay if you're a Michigan fan we don't like you but I mean of course we'll appreciate your listens um we we enjoy having college football fans from all over listen um if I could just end on one note if there's one thing I want you all to remember it's that Rudy would have started at Michigan go Irish beat scum
1: (laughs) perfect